What is up, everybody? Welcome back to TMT Time. I'm your host, Evan Rothstein. Today, I have a co-host and a special guest. My co-host is a repeat visitor into TMT Time, and that is my partner, Jamie Vibbert. Jamie, welcome back. Thanks so much, Evan. Nice to be here. We have with us today one of Jamie's good friends and clients, who is Peggy Bowden, the Global Privacy Officer at Thermo Fisher Scientific. And we are going to talk privacy. We're about a year out from when Jamie last came on. So this is perfect timing. Uh, so Peggy, welcome into TMT time. Hi, thanks for having me. So before we get going, why don't you tell our listeners a very briefly who you are, what you do, and what is Thermo Fisher Scientific? Um, I'm Peggy Bowden, so I'm the Global Privacy Officer. Um, I actually started my career in privacy as a social worker, so very uh, in the late 90s, the last century, as, as I've heard some people term it. Um, but started working with HIPAA when it was um, a new regulation to, to the United States, and I was working in hospitals, and then uh, enjoyed privacy and HIPAA so much that I went back to law school mid-career and for the sole purpose of becoming a privacy officer. So I'm, I'm living the dream here. This was the, the aspiration. It's fair so. to say you're like an OG in privacy because privacy <laughs> law is like newish kind of, I feel like. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Sort of. All, ex all except for wild. all except for HIPAA, which Peggy took over when she was a baby, when she was a baby and HIPAA <laughs> was a baby, so. Yeah, yeah, we grew up together, so yeah. <laughs> So are you like worldwide in charge of all things privacy for the company? All things privacy. So this is why I can call you the OG privacy officer because <laughs> that, that's a lot. Uh, Jamie is also a privacy lawyer. Um, I won't call you OG Jamie, but you've also been doing it a long time as well. How long have you guys been working together? We have been working together for six years, I think, Peggy. Is that right? Yeah. I was gonna say, I think it's years. Yeah. yeah. Jamie, I need you to ask Peggy what the hot topics are that she's talking about so the two of you can educate our listeners on privacy stuff along with educating me. That sounds great. And I think, Peggy, I thought one of the places that we would start is to just talk a little bit about all of the new state privacy laws that are coming into play. And yeah. I know that globally there are privacy laws cropping up all the time and amendments to these privacy laws. Um, I think the the biggest question for you is, I think people for people who don't know, these privacy laws are slightly different, but they are overall largely similar. You know, how do you handle as global privacy officer of a company the size of Thermo Fisher or Scientific, which is literally everywhere? How do you handle all of these privacy laws across the globe and in the United States? There are now, I can't, I don't even know off the top of my head, one, two, three, four, five, five in the United States now. How do you handle all of these different privacy laws? Yeah, well, there were five last week. That's <laughs> Wednesday, it's midweek. So there's, we've probably added another, you know, couple at least or someone revisited there. Um, but no, it's a good question. And it's always kind of that balancing act between, um, you know, what you have, what local laws are, are out there versus, 
um, you know, you're, you're doing business in every country and every area. And so there's, there are laws obviously that apply to all of that. So, I mean, the thing, and, and, you know, we've talked about this a lot is kind of taking this principle-based approach, you know, all privacy laws have, um, based a basic foundation in, um, these privacy principles that have been around for, for decades. Um, so you, you take that, that principle-based approach to, to these laws, um, but at the same time, especially nowadays, and I'm sure you, you're seeing this too, obviously, in your practice, but you're really um, starting to see kind of a shift. You know, there was a point where, you know, GDPR came upon us in 2018, and you saw a lot of GDPR similar laws um, that started to come out in various countries. Now I feel like there's a shift um, into, you know, away from that, that copycat GDPR. And, and now you're seeing more and more privacy laws come out with very different requirements. So, you know, you've really got to um, navigate that carefully um, and, and just be aware of where those significant differences are and, and make sure that you're respectful of, of what those are and, and have a plan for that. I think that's right. And I think, you know, as you mentioned, we talk a lot about it, but it's, it's almost a risk-based approach. As an example, you know, if you go on to a lot of U.S. companies' websites right now, you will see probably a subsection on the GDPR and probably a California-specific notice. What do you think about doing those kind of jurisdictionally specific notices versus a a more one-size-fits-all notice? Yeah, again, I think you've got to be respectful of the differences where they are. I think it's better to have the one size fits all personally, just because it's easier to maintain and manage. Um, you know, if you have, you know, if you start really piling up notices um, and, you know, you have all these attachments and all this, it gets, it gets like what applies to whom, where, when, and um, it, it gets confusing and it gets confusing for your, your data subjects too. So, I mean, you know, that you've got to be transparent and clear um, with them as well and try to make it not uh, burdensome to figure out, you know, what are my rights or how are you using my data or, you know, what what's confusing. So I think, you know, figuring out, you have to kind of go through and figure out what laws actually apply because they don't all apply, right, um, to particular businesses. So understanding what actually applies to me um, and in what circumstances and, and making sure that you you know how you're you're using data. I think another thing, Jamie, when, when I was thinking about this um, this uh, meeting today, I also was thinking, you know, there's this, because there are so many privacy laws coming very, very quickly um, in the United States, I think there's also really an awareness issue that has to go on with people, um, you know, whether it's your business people or your customers, but we're so used to, you know, people would always say, well, you know, it's in the United States, so don't worry. We don't have a <laughs> have a GDPR issue. We don't have a, you know, as much of a privacy law issue, and that's not really true anymore. So things that, you know, well, we'll pilot something and just do it in the United States, or, um, you know, that that is shifting as well. So I think there's also this this piece of um, really strong education that needs to um, to happen uh, within the U.S. and in other countries as well to understand. What, what's changing and how our approach to privacy is changing. I really like that thought too, because it was, the U.S. was like outside of- I wasn't sure because the look, 
the look on your face, I was like, uh-oh. I've said something. Stumped her. I, th- I was like, ooh, you, you, you made stumped Did her. you see the look? Wow. Yeah, I was, was like, ooh. And I'm, I'm, like, listeners Ouch. can't see the look, but it, like, picture like the was- oh face. You know, like, <laughs> uh-oh. Yeah. Where do I go here? No, I, no. I, unsurprisingly... Peggy, we I, I agree with you. I think that it used to be the Wild West of data here. And it really, you have the notice issue, right? Notices, privacy notices, which a lot of companies will call privacy policies. But it really, it's that, it's that notice that is on the website that is intended to tell people what you're doing with data. That's been around for a long time. Maybe it wasn't regulated as much as it is now, but that was there. This idea that that um, proscribes what you can and cannot do with data did not exist in the United States three years ago. It just didn't. It was, hey, if we want to use data for outside of some sectors that were governed, right? That you mentioned HIPAA, um, but outside of those, outside of those outside of those industry-specific privacy laws, you really could do whatever you want. And now you have these business folks who are like, hey, I have this pile of data sitting around and I'd like to use it for X, Y, and Z. It's hard to be like, well, no, now you can't, right? Like people have rights and people, you know, it's more like, um, what you're allowed to do with your organs now, as opposed to what you're allowed to do with your hair. Um, and so I think, right, you can you can cut off all of your hair, you can dye it whatever color you want, but you can't go off and sell your, your liver, even if you wanted to. So. <laughs> I wouldn't sell my hair either, because it's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> but, but, so I, I, I have a I would, question. I personally would miss mine. Like, I think it's, yeah. it's been my- yeah, but what about those less fortunate than you guys? That's true. That's true. Yeah. So, Peggy, like when when do business people get your office or you involved? Is it we have this pack of data and we want to do something with it? It's we we're going to enter into this contract and we need you to um, you know, review for privacy purposes is it or is it all of the above? I, I just want to get yeah, more in on like the integration between the business team and your team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all of the above. And the more, you know, it's, it's like any kind of legal or compliance activity, the earlier that you get to privacy, you know, I always say, look, the earlier you get to me, the quicker, you know, you can check me off the list and move on, you know, and, and go on your merry way and know that you're doing um, what you need to do to be compliant and what's what's legal uh, and, and necessary to do. And I think, too, for you know, so again, it's an awareness raising. It's making sure that you're engaged um, with the business people even before they get to the point of needing you, right? So it's it's again establishing those relationships um, and saying, look, you can come to me and we can talk about this, um, and it's going to be far better um, for you, for our customers, for for our business if we can collaborate early on, and then you're not having to come back later or come in later and change everything around, right? Because because it's not compliant or it's not um, okay to use data in this manner. So, you know, getting those guardrails out there, I think, ahead of time. So me and my team, we do a lot of um, training, uh, a lot of awareness. And, and I try to really scope that training 
to the culture of the the uh, business that that I'm working with in that. So it's not just a generic. I mean, you want to do the generic training of like here's the different privacy laws and the fines and all this kind of thing, but you also want to make privacy very practical and applicable to what goes on in everyday life. So you know, again, my previous life working in hospitals, you know, you if you had the pediatric unit versus critical care unit you know, they're different cultures, right? You have different staff and different questions and different needs arise between those two units. And that's kind of the same thing in a business, right? What goes on in HR and the data that's used and how it's used in HR is gonna look different from what goes on in finance and kind of what those guardrails are. So I like to do a couple things. I like to do the um, data fantasy camp, as Jamie knows, where we get the business together and say, in a particular division and say, Look, if I erased, right, it's that magic wand theory, if I erased all of the privacy laws in the world and you could do anything you wanted, what would that look like? And and the business people really get into that. Um, That's they, like Facebook, basically, is what you're describing. Sorry, Meta. <laughs> no, no. She asks and then they tell her and then she refines it so that they can do it ethically. Yeah. This and, is a terrific some- idea. I mean, I've never actually heard of, of tailoring the legal advice of something t- to a different culture, as you're describing it, um, for privacy. So I think this is a terrific idea because you're probably going to get a much more receptive audience. Well, and again, you build a better relationship, right? And then it doesn't look so scary. And sometimes the things that you know, they think they can't do, they actually can do it. Or they think, I know this is completely crazy and like, it's totally illegal. And then they say it and I'm like, no, actually that's fine. You can do that, <laughs> you know? Um, so, so sometimes it's also just kind of course correcting or, you know, providing education in that way of, of correcting the, the thought process on it. But I do think it makes it more like I'm doing a training next week with a division and I meet with them ahead of time. And I said, let's come up with, your questions, you know, again, we can do the generic thing, but everybody hears that every day. But let's talk about like, what is it like out in in the trenches? And when you come across data and, you know, what does it mean to you? Or when do you think HIPAA applies? Like sometimes it's it's that, that piece of it too. So I always like to have questions. Um, you know, I used to do this in person, obviously, pre-pandemic um, and getting back into that now. But, um, you know, even I was even able to do this through um, you know, through Zoom calls and Teams calls and all that kind of thing. So it, it's a nice format. And and then you have that relationship established and they do feel comfortable coming to you ahead of time um, as opposed to, to waiting until the last minute and they're not so frightened. And sometimes they come and they say, hey, you know, based on what we talked about before, this is what I think I can do. And then you're like, yep, that's it. You're good. So it's helpful. And you know what I love too, when you're doing those kinds of culture building exercises, which to your point are really important because that's how the business actually gets to your office. But I love it when I'm like, oh, did you guys ever think about doing this with data? And they're like, oh, no, we didn't. And I'm like, yeah, I do this a lot. So I might even have suggestions for you of like fun stuff that you can do with data. It, it I, I do feel like it's a little bit easier in the industries that you're working in as opposed to the meta world yeah. because a lot of these data uses are like for the public good. I mean, yes, everybody wants to sell products, but like the uses of the data are to 
improve patient outcomes or, you know, similar types of things, which makes it easier. Um, And I know that we don't have a ton of time with you today. So what, um, what do you think is maybe the trickiest issue in privacy today? Do you think it's data transfer, data localization? Do you think it's marketing or cookies? Like, what do you think is the is the hardest issue that you deal with on a day-to-day basis? I mean, again, I think it, this is terrible. This is a, this is a beautifully stated, it depends answer. I think, again, it depends on the culture <laughs> of the group that you're working with and what they want to do. So it can be, you know, I used to say all the time, it's, you know, the secondary use. But then I was at a conference a couple months ago and I said that and someone else was like, secondary use, I worry about primary use. <laughs> what are they doing in the first instance? And that's true too, right? So I think, you know, it's, it's all of it. It's just, again, that, you know, how aware are people about the data and that there are laws that apply to it. And I think that's the, the trickiest part is getting, raising that awareness and getting it out there and then and then you can deal, you know, there's always going to be kind of these obstacles, right? Whether it's the cookies or the shrimps or the, you know, all of these different things, just whatever it's going to be this year. Um, but, you know, it all comes back to if they don't know about it in the first place, then you're really putting yourself in a, a risky scenario and they're, they're just kind of going out and doing whatever, then you've got, you've got a bigger problem there. Okay, I've got questions for you before you go. Sorry, Jamie, I'm going to hijack this for a minute. So, Peggy, I called you the OG of privacy, and and I was being somewhat serious, somewhat facetious, because I feel like in the last five years, there's like a proliferation of people that call themselves privacy lawyers. Um, and, And unlike some of the like newer hot topic legal stuff, privacy issues, since you're an OG, have actually been around for a while. So there have been some lawyers who have been practicing in this space for a while. When you're working with outside counsel or you're talking to people or you're going to conferences and making googly eyes at each other across the table, um, what are you listening for? What are you looking for um, in terms of getting and working with partners outside of the company? So with my expectations of external counsel, is that your... Yeah, that's a very good summary of my long, much, you know, winded question. I just want to make sure I know where I'm at. Yes, yes, that's it. (laughs) Um, so for someone like me, I prefer very practical advice and to the point and concise, right? Like say it in six. I don't need the whole history of the law and where we've been and what the reasoning is and what I just need to know, like, here's my problem. You know, if I'm coming to external counsel, it's, it's something that, you know, I'm trying to resolve and solve myself. And I have, I'm very fortunate that I have a really, really talented um, privacy team as well. So I have a lot of resources myself um, within the, the lawyers that, that report into me. And so, you know, if we're coming to you, I, I need just like practical, here's what can work, here's, here's the way to go about that, here are kind of the risks, you know, let's talk through the risks, what does that mean? Or um, what's, you know, I mean, you'd never like to do the parade of horribles, but sometimes you have to, right? And so just kind of going through those parade of horribles too. So that's that's kind of what my expectation is. Sometimes you'll get 
you know, external counsel who who aren't really well versed in privacy, and you can tell when that when that's happening. Um, but they'll give you a very lengthy, beautifully written memo um, with all kinds of information, and it's like I just need to bottom line this. Like, what what are you trying to say to me? All right. So one last follow up on that. You obviously, I'm sure, manage a big team. How are you building your team? And especially how are you doing that now as a global privacy officer and then with a lot of everything being virtual and remote? Yeah, so um, actually I'm having my first in-person meeting with my uh, European team and uh, at the end of June, so I'm very excited about that. Um, but, you know, again, we look for, you know, when I'm looking to hire and building a team and we recently restructured our, our team um, and we've, you know, assigned folks to various um, specialty business groups and, and divisions um, to, to have a consistent support um, and relationship between the business and the privacy team and the, the person that they're um, that really can get involved with them and understand all of their products and services and what they do and how they do it and, and be proactive and kind of embedded within that organization to to think ahead and, and really embrace that privacy by design culture. Um, and then, you know, in looking for team members, again, I look for folks who are, you know, more practical, who are willing to engage and get to know, um, get to know their colleagues and, and who ask questions and who, um, you know, sometimes, especially in a, a company like Thermo Fisher, you have extremely, extremely brilliant scientists and researchers and people. So sometimes you're, you're talking to them and I'm like, look, just, is this a widget? Like, what are we doing? You know, like you have to also be able to admit like when I don't know what you're talking about so that you're giving advice um, that's, that's useful to them. If you, if, you know, and, and to be humble enough to say, can you explain that to me? I just don't know. Um, and, and they're, they're always great about that. But if you, you know, some people don't want to do that or they feel they don't like to do that. So I always look for that kind of openness to learning and, um, and understanding. All right, before we let you go, Peggy, I always ask guests what you do outside the office for fun when you're not managing a, a global privacy portfolio or building the privacy by design culture, which I love. Um, that's a great catchphrase. Um, what are you doing outside the office? I have six Labrador retrievers, so they are, they consume my life. So they range from uh, 14 years old down to 10 weeks. Um, wow, I've been a Labrador so, owner for a long time. Do you breed them or do you just have no, six? No, we wow. have six. Yeah, no, we don't breed them. So yeah, we have one in every color. <laughs> um, and uh, they're just, yeah, they're my greatest joy. And the one, I have a favorite. Her name is Bunty, and Bunty is a CCPA. That's the California Privacy Law. She is a CCPA expert, and I'm taking credit yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah, Jamie, one night was explaining something in CCPA, and she was <laughs> she was visiting me, and Bunty was just seated in front of Jamie. Her face was just riveted. She was found Jamie so compelling. <laughs> She's like, I've never. California privacy. That's how I am when Jamie talks about the California privacy laws. Also, I've never heard this from the blonde. Like, why doesn't the blonde talk about? Yeah. This? But I'm absolutely certain that my 14 year old could, honest to God, run a privacy program, run a global program, 
I mean, I think sometimes she sits in my office and she's just like, oh my God, you explained this last week. Are we? <laughs> this is redundant. <laughs> We've done this. We've covered this before. Come on, Peggy. Come on, get the steak. Get the steak, lady. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, Peggy, this has been terrific. I really yeah. appreciate your time. Thank you so much uh, for Thank joining us on Thanks TMT for Time. Me. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Take Peggy. Care. Take care. All right, Jamie, before you drop, I got to ask you, because she said some things that I didn't understand and I didn't want to look, you know, overly dumb. Um, Shram. What is what is Shrems? Shrems. So am I saying that right? It's it, it's uh, yeah. Shrems. It's S-C-H-R-E-M-S. Um, Max Shrems is a privacy advocate is as I think what he would call himself. Um, he is the gentleman who is responsible for a lot of the data transfer issues that have happened between um, the European Union and the United States. So Max Schrems challenged the whole scheme of data transfer across that ocean. Um, and he has now gone on to form... Um, a company called None of Your Business or NOIB that is now filing, they're focused on cookies primarily and other sorts of analytics. Um, and they are focusing on filing complaints against companies who are engaging in um, alleged violations of either the GDPR from a cookie management perspective or, or of the e-privacy directive, which is a really a marketing law despite its despite its name it's it's more focused on marketing but that's who he is um he is so it's a, it's a guy it's a name. guy it's a guy <clears throat> so so all right well before before last question for you jamie is when have you been part of these like fantasy data fantasy camps that peggy was talking about i have i so, have I really like this idea of teaching to the culture, even if it, even in, you know, banal or whatever, boring privacy areas and not to say privacy is boring. It's just, it's a legal issue. So some people in the business side might be like, why am I learning about something else? Um, how do you see them working? And do you think they're translatable to other areas of law? I do think they're translatable, right? Because, what the data fantasy camp does is it comes in and instead of starting with a bunch of no's, she starts with a bunch of yeses and she asks people about the things that drive them. And right now, data use is a lot of what's driving a lot of people at businesses. Um, and so she goes in and she gets them interested by talking about something that they want to talk about. And then she fine tunes that based on what she hears. And I think that is translatable to every legal, anything in the regulatory and counseling space at a minimum. And I think, you know, going in and telling your, your, your business teams, hey, <laughs> we can get you there with some guardrails, right? This is a yes, but you have to do it in this fashion is a much more effective technique than the more restrictive way. 
Yeah, well, I, I've heard people ref, be referred to as the Department of No and O, and you have to pivot and be the Department of No K N O W. And I feel like that's sort of what she's tapping into. I think it's a brilliant idea. I was very surprised by the number of Labradors. I love Labradors. Um, and I love the idea of the Labradors that know privacy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. feel like for those drop down or click through menus when you let, you know, when you're scrolling on a website and you're just trying to get them off your screen as fast as possible. If there was a picture of a Labrador right there, a really cute dog, maybe I wouldn't, maybe I would click accept or, or really read what it said before just trying to get it off my screen. Yeah. Particularly Peggy's dogs. They are adorable. Um, but yes, uh, they keep, they keep us all entertained, I think. Um, and you know, one of the other things that I think Peggy does well, and I think she expects this from her outside counsel too, and it's what she was talking about, but it's what makes her so effective at her job, is she doesn't hide the ball, right? So if somebody calls and asks her for an answer, and I think this is happening to a lot of in-house counsel with their business folks, she'll just give them the answer. There's no runaround. There's no like, let me get back to you. If if the answer is simple and she knows the answer, she's just going to tell you what the answer is. And I think that's the other thing that that makes her effective and will eventually make privacy at Thermo Fisher Scientific more effective on the whole because they have such a such a the OG. Yeah, because they have that's the OG. Who they have, right? Yeah. She can answer questions because she's, you know, lived the the changes in the laws and knows them. I mean, that's crucial. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, Jamie, thank you so much. Thank you for uh, sharing uh, your relationship with Peggy with us and our listeners. It's been great to have you back on. We're going to do it again. Okay. Thanks so much.